Hey, this is Greg Sanders. Thanks for listening today. It's our hope that this message will help you connect to God, grow in His Word, and serve the kingdom in a greater capacity. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. Easter, next Sunday. You got that? I've already said it once. I want to say it again. Easter next Sunday, 8 15, 10 o'clock. Don't come alone. Invite somebody to come with you. Call your neighbor, your friend, your brother, your sister, whoever it is that doesn't attend church. Now, don't, don't call the people from, uh, from MacArthur and invite them. Right? They're my buddies. Don't call our friends down at First Baptist and invite them. Right? Look for people who are far from God and bring them to the place they can come near to God next Easter Sunday. I want to ask you to also be praying with me the next seven days that lost people will be found on Easter Sunday. Amen? Amen. Today I want to talk about, uh, we're in the series called Not Home Yet. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're not home yet. Some of you might be thankful that you're not home yet. Sometimes life is hard. Sometimes life stinks. But all of us are on a journey. And we're in a, we're in a series walking through the book of 1 Peter. And Peter is reminding us that we are, he uses three words to talk about you and me. He calls us strangers. He calls us foreigners. He calls us aliens. In this morning's text, if you look at the right version, he calls you particular, which isn't always a compliment in today's world, but Peter meant for it to be a compliment. He's just reminding us that we are not home yet. We are citizens of another place, and where our life is a journey. And this morning, I want to talk to you on a subject about how each of us, since we're not home yet, it's to remind us that we have a higher calling on our lives. Mark Twain once famously said, the two greatest days of a person's life is the day they are born and the day they find out why. I heard another person say that there is a problem in the world with your name on it. Not because you created it. There may be some of those too. But there's a problem in the world with your name on it because God created you to be an answer to it. God created His presence to flow through you in such a way that you can be an answer to it. You are the answer of God to many people who are praying. And you're going to be the answer to God that some people don't even know to pray for. This is Palm Sunday. I'm not going to talk a lot about that instant this morning. Please forgive me for not doing so, but I believe there are some parallels because when Jesus showed up on that day when people were laying their coats and their palm branches before him, when they were saying, uh, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord, most of them were excited, giddy, enthusiastic, overjoyed because Jesus was there because they thought he was there to take care of the problems they saw. Most important that they were in bondage to Rome. They had um, had a lot of different uh, taxes and a lot of uh, control upon their life. And they thought Jesus was there to break them free from that. But Jesus would show them in a short amount of time that he was there not to be their political savior. He was there to be the savior of their heart, the savior of their soul, the savior of their 
their life, to take them who were far from God so they could be near to God, to break down every barrier between God and man. That's why Jesus had came to town, and that's why he's come to town today, why he's come to earth today. Luke 19, Jesus gives his, his, his uh, purpose statement. He said, the Son of Man is how he's referred to himself. He's basically saying, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. People often try to get Jesus to fit in some box of their calling. But Jesus had his own mission. To seek and save that was lost. And that higher calling that was on him is also on you. I don't want to try to look as many of you as possible in the eyeballs. And tell you that God has a higher calling on your life too. I said God has a higher calling on your life too. And you can run from it. You can deny it. You can say it doesn't exist. You can say that season of my life is over. You can say that was maybe the case, but I've disqualified myself. I have ruined the opportunity. I'm either too young or I'm too old. I'm either too qualified or unqualified. I've made too many mistakes or I haven't made enough mistakes to be of good help yet. All of that is false. You have a higher calling upon your life and there is no exception to that rule in this room today. He has a higher calling on you. And so today I want to talk to you about how we can live up to that higher calling. And Peter talks about it in verse number 4 of chapter 2. This is our text. You can follow, follow along with me on the screen. It says, As you come to Him, speaking of Jesus, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to Him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Can I just take a time out and say this? If you will trust God with your life, you will never regret it. They'll never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. Verse 8, that stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you. He didn't call somebody else. He called you. Not your neighbor, tell him that means you. He called you out of darkness and into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you would not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you, here comes the words again, as aliens and strangers in this world, abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. Father, we want to live up to what you've called us to be.
and live out what you've called us to do. So I pray this morning you'll do what only you can do. Anoint me to preach the words of God, the words of God alone. Anoint our ears, our hearts, and our minds to hear and receive what the Holy Spirit of God would want to speak to us, change in us, and use us to do. Thank you that there's a higher calling on my life. Forgive me, Lord, for every moment any of us have denied it because we want to live for you. Everybody in the room say amen. amen. Peter uses two word pictures to describe you. If you felt like someone talked about you, they did. Peter did. He uses two pictures to describe you. The first picture he uses to describe you is a spiritual house, a building. Now, if, you, if you've been in church a long, long time, you may have grew up singing that song, Know ye not, know ye not, you are the temple, right? The first picture, the word picture, Peter uses to paint your life. He says you are being spilt, or I'm sorry, built together, put together to be a spiritual house. And then he, he turns the page and he says, you are also a royal priesthood. So I got a picture for you up on the screen of, of, uh, of biblical time temple and biblical time priest. Because those are the two pictures Peter says you are like that temple and you are like that priest. And I look at that and you may wonder, well, what does a priest and a temple have in common? I mean, one of them is the person that serves and the other place, the other thing is the place where they serve. But there's something else common about a temple and a priest. They're both considered sacred to God. You understand in the Old Testament, not everyone was a priest. Right? They had certain duties. By the way, this is pretty exciting. They also had certain access that no one else had. So when Peter says, you are a temple... He's saying, you are, a, you are the person that God is wanting to take up residence in. And when he says, you are a priest, you're a person that doesn't just serve God, you have access to God that generations of people have never known before. He's saying, there is a holy calling upon your life, as holy as the building of the temple, which in the Old Testament, the temple was everything. In Jesus' day, the, most of the priests thought they were everything, but they did have access. And now Peter's saying, all of us, we are the temple and we have the access as much as anyone could ever have. Most people in Peter's day understood that this was a designated place where God would operate. And they were, these were designated people that God would use to operate in and through and have access with them. And Peter is saying to you and to me that all of us, that is us. That is you. That is me. We have a higher calling just as that building has a higher purpose than any other building in the area. Your life has a higher purpose just as a priest in, the, in God's eyes had a higher purpose or calling than all those others. He's saying your life has elevated to that place. And I feel like as I'm preaching this, some of you saying, well, yeah, but I'm still just me. Well, you're still just you that Jesus died for. You're just you that Jesus redeemed. And Peter says in the latter part of that scripture, he says, it is true that once you were not 
these types of people. Once you are lost, one you, once you had not received mercy. But he says these words. He says, understand, you have now received mercy. In other words, your life is not the same. I just came to tell somebody, you're not who you used to be. I want to say that again. You're not who you used to be. You're a new creation. You have a higher calling and a higher purpose. Well, how, do, how can I live out, or maybe how can I just start living this higher calling? Peter gives us a few real easy. Don't you like easy? Easy ways to live up this higher calling. First thing he says is just, just keep coming to Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 4 says, As you come to Him. Now, I'm not much of an English major, but I know that certain sentences are either past tense, present tense, or future tense. And Peter does not say, As you came to Jesus. Nor does he say, As someday you will come to Jesus. He says, as you come to Jesus. In other words, right now, we are continually to be coming to Jesus. Now, I know you're too spiritual to think this way, but there are people you work with that think coming to Jesus is a one-time occasion. They thought they bought fire insurance once upon a time. They went, they bought their ticket, they got their stamp. Someone told them they were saved. And they haven't been back to church since. They had not read their Bible since. They haven't prayed since. That relationship with Jesus, yeah, I did that three minutes 30 years ago, and so I'm good. But Peter paints a little bit different picture. He says, after salvation, he says, you're not done. He says, you got to keep coming to Jesus because He has a calling on your life right now. He hasn't just called you to heaven someday. He's called you to be a stranger, an alien, an ambassador, a missionary, whatever you want to call it. He's called you to be His hands and feet right here, right now. And that looks so much different for each of us. Well, how do I find out how it's supposed to look for me? You keep Coming to Jesus. You know, the, the, the closest word that we have from the original Greek word of that process is, is the word that's used most is this, habitual. Keep coming to Jesus habitually. You just keep coming and you just keep coming and you just keep coming and you just keep coming. Well, pastor, am I coming so I can get saved and saved and saved and saved and so? No, I'm coming because I want to go deeper and deeper and deeper in the things of God. I want more and more transformation of Him in my life. I want to become less and less and less and less and less like Greg and more and more and more and more and more like Jesus. How does that happen? Because I keep coming to Jesus and every time I come to Him, He changes me. Pastor, I went to church last week. Me too. But I came this week because I want more of Jesus. I want Him to transform me a little bit more this week than like He did last week. And I'm going to keep coming to Him even though other people think it's unnecessary or reject Him. He said, keep coming to Him. He's the living stone rejected by men and chosen by God. I know a lot of people say that 
well, pastor, you know, you don't, it really didn't take that much to love Jesus. It didn't take that much to serve Jesus. I mean, you just did it one time. You're great. Just forget about it. But Peter says, listen, a lot of people are rejecting Jesus. But you just keep on coming to him. A lot of people are walking away. But you keep coming to him. A lot of people are giving up hope. A lot of people are rejecting him. But you keep coming to him. Jesus said, don't even worry if they start rejecting you like they rejected me. Because if you let me transform your life enough, if you start looking like Jesus, they will start treating you like Jesus. But keep coming to Jesus anyway. The blessing outweighs the pain. The promise outweighs any persecution you may go through. I know that continually coming to Jesus is sometimes hard, but I want to say keep coming anyway, no matter what it costs. I know that in our, in our immediate environment, our definition of rejection, persecution, we're kind of in the cheap seats for the most part. Right? I mean, I understand there is a definitive agenda against Christianity. I understand there's a a definitive assault against the things of God, no matter where you look. But, But so far, we're still in the cheap seats. But even if the fire, or maybe I should say when the fire is hotter for God's people, keep coming to Jesus anyway. We can't let the fear of man keep us from coming to Jesus. I heard a missionary tell several years ago, he was talking about what it took to become a pastor in the country where he served. And so he began to tell what it took to be a pastor in this country where he served. And I began to ask myself as he was talking, would I be willing to be a pastor in this country where he served? The first thing you you have to do if you're going to be a pastor is you had to You had to serve somewhere before you are released. Okay, that makes sense. Number two, you have to have a certain level of biblical knowledge. Okay, that's kind of the same here. You also had to be willing to teach other people and lead other people. Got it. You also had to be arrested for preaching the gospel at least three times. Because they figured if you hadn't been arrested, you probably weren't doing it right. I'm just saying, no matter the cost, have you ever decided that I'm just going to keep coming to Jesus anyway? That's what Peter's talking about. I'm just going to come to Him. No matter what others do, and I'm going to keep coming to Him because He is the only way. Look at verse 4. Rejected by men, but chosen by God. Did you know that Acts chapter 4 says that salvation is found... Nowhere else. I want to say that out loud, proud and clear this morning. Did you know that salvation, being right with God, the only way for those of us who are, and all of us have been, far from God to be made right with God is through Jesus? Did you know there's no other way? This side of the church believes it. Does this side believe? Right there, this side's with me this morning. So we're all, see the reason I ask that question is, is, This past week, 
someone shared a stat with me that 56% of evangelicals, which by the way, that's what we are. That's not a voting block. That's people that believe Jesus who says he is and we have a mission to tell others about him. That's, you know, that and a lot more. That's what it means to be evangelical. 56% of evangelicals deny that Jesus is the only way. And I'm just carnal enough to say, well, that is totally false. Because if you don't believe that Jesus is the only way, then you're not an evangelical. That's one of those non-negotiables. And Peter says, hey, if you have a higher call in your life, you have to understand that this is not a convenient, comfortable way to just want to do what you want to do, believe what you want to believe. But we have to understand, we have to be sold out on the idea that, that we need Jesus and so do others. I just want to tell you, just want to talk to you for just a minute. Do you understand that if you believe this, and this is a deep spiritual word, malarkey, <laughs> that there are other ways to Jesus do you understand you just discounted everything Jesus said about himself? I mean, if you believe there's other ways for people who are far from God to become right with God besides Jesus, then how come when Jesus is in the garden praying, Father, there's any other way? Let this cup pass from me. Don't make me go to the cross. Don't make me die. Don't, don't let me go through the agony, the pain, and the torture, and all this stuff. Lord, if there's any other way, if there's any other way, then God, the Father, could have said, sure, son. Let me just beam you up. <laughs> Furthermore, he would, never, he would have never had to come to earth in the first place. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave. His one and only son. Why? So that none would perish. If there's other ways for people to not perish, then why would he send the son that he loved? See, you and I have a higher calling on our life because you and I have a message other people need to hear. So we got to keep coming to Jesus. Well, pastor, how do I come to Jesus? Well, some of you are already doing it today. You come to Jesus when you come to the gathering of His church. You come to Jesus when you open the Word of God and let it speak to you. You, open, you, you come to Jesus when you, when you spend time in prayer, when you gather with His people, when you begin to claim His promise, when you obey His Word, when you love people who are unlovable and you love people like Jesus loves them. All of that and more is the process of continually come to Jesus. Number two. We discover our identity in Jesus. You have a higher calling. I want to say this to you. You might want to write it down. You have a specific calling. You have a higher calling and you have a specific calling. Verse number five says, You are like living stones being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices. We could preach a whole series on what is a spiritual sacrifice. Go home and just ponder that for a few days. What's a spiritual sacrifice? Well, Pastor, how does coming to Jesus help me find my identity? Because life's greatest purpose 
is found in our connection and our usefulness in Him. He says, come because you are being built together like living stones. You're being put into a spiritual house. Now, on your way out the door this morning, you can turn around and look at this spiritual house. And this spiritual house on at least the outsides that you see is made out of brick. And please don't do this, but if you got a chisel and a hammer and chiseled out a piece from over here and a piece from over there and a piece from over there, they would, and you were to ask me, which side of the church did that come from? I probably couldn't tell you. You know why? Because they were all put up about the same time. And they all came from the same place. And they were mass produced. There's thousands of them, I don't know, on this building. There's probably thousands of them on some other building that we don't know about. They're mass produced. But you know, you are not mass produced. The Word says that He knew you, that He knit you together in your mother's womb. You are special in His eyes. You're the apple of His eye. See, when they built, when, when, when Peter says you're being put together like a spiritual house, that temple that I showed you at the beginning of the sermon, that's, that's where people's mind would go. That was the spiritual house of their day. And, and when they built those spiritual houses, the, the bricks were not mass-produced. Every brick was unique. Matter of fact, did we load a copy of those bricks? Or did I just think about it? If the next slide's not bricks, then we didn't. Okay. On my laptop, I've got a great picture of, of the bricks they used to build the original temple. But what you would see is that they weren't mass-produced. Someone had to chisel those out of a mountain or out of a quarry and haul those things in and find the perfect placement of them. And then they would sand them down a little bit to make them fit perfectly. As a matter of fact, when Solomon... I'm, I'm, I'm spending too much time here. But when Solomon was building his temple... He wanted the place to be so sacred that they would, they would file, they would chisel those stones down, they would take them, I don't know how far, but they'd take them to the temple, they would see if they would fit. And since they wanted the place to be so sacred, they didn't let any chiseling or hammering take place at the temple. So they didn't fit. They had to take it back, come over here, chisel, 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 sand, 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 then go back over and over. It was a process to make the pieces fit. Do you understand that God has your life and my life in a process? He is constantly chisel, chisel, chiseling, sanding, 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 so we can find our perfect place in the perfect kingdom of God that accomplishes His purpose that is so much higher than our purposes today. And when you try to find your purpose in yourself or in some other thing, Wouldn't you hate to put your eternal brick in a piece of a house that's made of sand that just crumbles around you? It's in Him. I think it was Paul that said in Corinthians, it's, it's in Him that we live and we move and we breathe and we have our being. Number three, how do I live for a higher calling? Show your before and after pictures. I bet all of you in this room got some before and after pictures. Before I had kids, 
College students, there's a thing, I'm not trying to encourage anyone, there's a thing called the freshman 15. First year of college, the average guy gains about 15 pounds. So if you're not in college, if you're a high school senior, you got that to look forward to. But we've all, we've all seen before and after pictures, right? We've seen before and after weight loss pictures. We've seen before and after like car restoration pictures. We've seen before and after home restoration pictures. Uh, we've, seen, we've seen all these things. Did you know that part of living out a whole higher calling is that you should constantly be showing people your before and after pictures? There are some of you in this room that I have only seen your after pictures. And I'm not going to name names today because I might embarrass somebody. But some of you tell me about how your life used to be. And I'm like, there's no way. You're like, you're like a million miles from, from being whatever, being an addict. You're a million miles from being a person that was disrespectful. You're a million miles from a person who was incarcerated. You're a million miles from a person that, that, that didn't know God and was even anti-Jesus. You're so far from that. Like, it's impossible for me to know because I've only known you six years or so. If we're not careful, we'll let people around us just think, I've always been this good. Right? And we have to be careful to tell them, like Peter said, listen, once I was not that way. But the mercy of Jesus found me, and the mercy of Jesus can find you. Amen? The mercy of God changed me, and the mercy of God changed you. The other day, we were in life group, and here I go not mentioning names again. But we were in life group, and um, Jacob, <laughs> the story's not about him, but Jacob shared the story of a man here in our church who, Jacob said it, so if it's not true, don't get mad at me. Jacob said it. He said there's a man in our church who used to be unable to control his tongue, curse profusely, and begin to tell tell the the story how God transformed his life to where when Jacob shared that story, I wanted to say, you're full of baloney. I can't imagine that gentleman even thinking of a cuss word, much less saying one. Why? Because God changed someone's life. How many in the room would raise your hand and say, God has changed my life? Then you need to let someone know that, listen, you may just see the after picture, but there is a before, and what God has done for me, He can do for you. And part of our higher calling is to share that story. Number four, I've got a higher call in my life. So what? So here's the deal. You've got to live up to it. Me, if you want to come. You've got to live up to it. Tell your neighbor, you've got to live up to it. Dear friends, Peter said, dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers. Let me just take a time out. Think about the last alien you met. Think about the last stranger you met. The only reason that you thought they were a stranger is because you thought there's something different about them. 
Peter's reminding us that as strangers and aliens, there should be something different about us. And the difference about us is not the license plate on our car, the logo on our t-shirt, the designation on our social media. The difference should be the different walking and talking and living that we do. Paul said the same thing. In 1 Thessalonians, he said, Live lives worthy of God. Ephesians chapter 4, Paul said again, Live a life worthy of the calling you have received. You know, I've read that there's evidence. Sometimes you wonder why people do things. I've read that there's evidence and studies that the reason police officers military people who are serving our military and thank you to every military service person in the room that has served now or in the past that there's reasons why doctors and nurses and medical professionals there's reasons why when you're in one of those areas of employment why you are usually assigned a uniform because studies have proved that when you put on that uniform that as you're buttoning up that police uniform, you're putting on that white doctor's jacket, just the process of putting on that uniform that makes you a little bit different than everyone else, makes you stand out from everyone else, just that process of putting on the uniform reminds you of the commitments you've made, the expectations people have of you, and the learning that you have digested. The outward clothing is a reminder of a commitment made. And you know what Romans chapter 13 says? It says we should clothe ourselves with the Lord Jesus. And don't think about how to gratify the flesh. Live in a way, he says, that even if they accuse you of doing evil, they have no foundation for what they would say. Doesn't that sound like what Jesus said when he said, let your light so shine before men that they would see your good deeds and give praise to your Father that's in heaven. Would you bow your heads this morning? There's two, two focuses of prayer I want to end with today. The first one I'm not going to go into great detail of, but simply this, if you are struggling to find your identity, I want to challenge you this morning to understand that your true identity can and will be found in one other place, one, only one place. And you can see there's so many people that are trying to find their identity in money they make, jobs they have, positions they hold, material things they own. People are trying to find their identity by exploring all the sexual confusion you see in our world today. They're looking for an identity. And can I tell you, you don't have to look, search, or create your own identity. Jesus formed you. He has purpose for you. 
And you find it as you keep coming to Him. As you keep surrendering to Him. As you keep looking to Him. As you keep trusting Him. And as you make Him the leader of your life and your Savior. And as you keep coming to Him, He will change you from who you are to something greater than you are. A son or a daughter of God. And today, if you're struggling in any form or fashion with your identity today, maybe it's not what you see exploited on television all the time. Maybe it's you just, you know, you've been trying to, you've been trying to find your affirmation from people or other things in this world. It leaves you empty. It leaves you searching. Today, all I want to know to do is just pray for you. And all I'm going to pray for you is this. Lord, as they continue to come to you, would you just reveal to them the plan, the purpose, the identity. Lord, like those bricks in Solomon's temple, Lord, sand off what needs to be sanded off, chip off what needs to be chipped off so they can fit perfectly into the plan and the purpose. You, from the foundations of the earth, design for them so they can have life, and not life existing, but life to the full. If that's you today, you say, Pastor, I need that prayer. Just say, pray for me, Pastor. Lift a hand real quick. No one's looking around with me. Just want to include you in this moment. Amen? Amen? Amen. Secondly today, church, look at me. Hard question. Hard question for me. Hard question for you, I'm sure. How good are we at living up to the calling God has placed in our life? See, here's the deal. The calling of God places a demand demand upon me. And it places a demand upon all of us. Because it takes us from our life being about us to our lives being about Jesus. My prayer for all of us today is that we would continue to say, Lord, help us live up to. Not live perfectly, that's not going to happen. But Lord, help us live up to what you've called us to be and what you've called us to do. If there's anything in our lives that distracts us or discourages us or deters us from doing that, Lord, reveal it and help us repent of it to be more and more like you. Would you join me by standing today and would you make that your prayer? Father, help us. Lord, examine me, search me, try me, know me, see me. Lord, reveal to me anything in my life that is discounting the call of God that's placed upon me. Anything that is skewing the image of Jesus that I've been called to display in my family, on my job, in my school. If there's anything that is skewing the image of God, Lord, help me, help me to... Right now, Lord, I just confess it to you. I repent of it. I'm going to walk away from it with the help of God. And Father, I pray for those who lifted their hand. Identity is an issue. They've tried to find it in people. They've tried to find it in pleasure. They've tried to find it in ability, skill. They're trying to find it in other places. But Lord, we don't have to find it. Lord, you created it. You didn't create it messed up. You didn't create it confused. Lord, you created it 
purposely and perfect. And when we find it, when we find you. So today we're searching for you. We're searching for you, Jesus. I pray this week, Lord, when they seek you, they'll find you because they're searching with all their heart. In Jesus' name, amen. If you give the Lord a hand clap for his word today, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Hey, God bless you. If you're a first-time guest, I'd love to meet you and greet you. I'll be on the front porch in about 60 seconds. God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful afternoon. Hello, this is Greg Sanders, pastor of the Assembly here in Cabot. I want to say thanks for listening today. If you are ever in the Cabot area, we'd love to have you join us for a service. For service times, check out our webpage at theassemblycabot.com. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a great day, and God bless.